0: I'd like to ask you, why is it not wise to spoil children and teenagers? Why is that not? don't have to answer out loud. Why is that not wise to spoil teenagers and children? Now, in the previous sermon, someone leaked out brat, and somebody said disrespectful. Why is it not wise to spoil teenagers and children? Because someone who always gets their own way and they always have the way of their will, will do great damage to them later in life because we all know as we get older, other people aren't looking out to make sure that we're happy and everything goes my way. When we spoil children and grandchildren, we really set them up for a future of failure and for discontentment. That's why it's not wise to spoil children and grandchildren. In the book One Nation Under Therapy, you catch that one nation under therapy for the United States. Uh, the authors examine the danger of hyperaffirmation. Just like it's not wise to spoil and pamper children, teenagers. Likewise, it's important that we don't use hyperaffirmation. What's hyperaffirmation? Well, hyperaffirmation is that no matter what my child or teenager does, it's right. It's sort of as if a teacher is teaching a lesson and says, Johnny, what's two plus two? And Johnny says two plus two is five, and a teacher says, "Wonderful answer! I can't believe how hard you worked to get it." Get at it. No, two plus two is what? Four. Maybe you have to study a bit more, Johnny. Hyper affirmation is that I affirm anybody and I give them praise, whether they deserved it or what. Not. <clears throat> it's sort of like everybody gets a trophy, or a lawnmower, or a helicopter. Parents and grandparents. The danger with hyper is that people learn I don't have to work hard to be my best, to be affirmed, and to to use praise. Today, uh, we have children and teenagers who play in no strikeout baseball leagues. No one gets a strikeout because that makes you what? Feel bad. And we're not gonna keep score. That's not gonna be good. And once again, we're gonna stop using A, B, C, D, and F because somebody might be offended. And even universities are wondering, should we give out percentage scores anymore. All this damages. This doesn't do any good. I was once, no offense, I was once, my son was in Cub Scouts, and they said, well, you're a pastor. You can speak well. And there was a Pinewood Derby, and they said, we want you to announce the Pinewood Derby. No offense. And car number eight came down the track, and car number 15 came down the track, and car number eight won, and 15 lost, and so I said, and the winning car is eight, and the losing car is 15, and someone came up to me and said, Pastor, you're doing well, but don't say winner and loser because it what? Offends people. Hyper-affirmation isn't good because it leads our children and youth into failure, and later in life, someone's going to speak the truth to them. Deep in your hearts, we all know this, the teachers and the coaches and parents who are toughest on us, and they rarely gave us a compliment, but we earned it. Those compliment meant what? A whole lot more. See, the point is, we don't always get our will or i like the words from the rolling stones better you can't always get what and there's a rolling stones 1969 hit and they asked mick jagger why'd you write that song well if you're not familiar with this the 1960s was supposed to be the decade of you know make love not war peace love and dope everybody and what they found out at the end of 1960s the world was just as messed up and for those who wanted a peace, like peaceful, nice world, you can't always get what you want. You can't what you get what you want. Sometimes we don't get our own way. We don't get our own will, which leads us into a very deep, reflective question. What is God's will? You ever ask yourself that? What is God's will in my life? What is God's will for what's going on around me? What's God's will with my family? That's a very deep question when i was a sophomore in high school uh, my english class we all read ernest steinbeck's of mice and men now it's come out in a couple movies don't have to raise your hand but did you have to read that in high school and the point of of mice and men's a story of george and lenny who grew up during a depression and they were farmhands and george uh, was brilliant and lenny was really strong and george always shared of a future that there'll be better times they can own their own land and things will be better, but it didn't work out that way. Hence, what I've remembered since I was a sophomore in high school, the best laid plans of mice and men do what? Often go astray, in other words, do things always work out the way that we want them to? Say it, no. The best laid plans of mice and men often go astray. Sometimes we don't get our own will, we don't get our own way, but that leads us back to the question, what is God's will? And sometimes, sometimes we see God's will in a number of ways. Well, first of all, we sometimes see God's will as dice. Well, my loved one's being tested with cancer. I'm going to roll the dice. And maybe it'll be a positive diagnosis or a negative diagnosis and maybe it's just not going to turn out well. Or what's God's will? I'm in the relationship with this person that I love very much, but I'm not sure if they love me. And maybe it's going to turn out well. Or it's not going to turn out well. So to a lot of people, God's will is like throwing the dice. Maybe it's going to work out. Maybe it's not going to work out. Sometimes that's how we see God's will. Someone once told me that God's will is as thick as this book. I said, what do you mean by that? Well, God's will is the Bible, and the Bible are God's laws and dictates, and this is God's will that it keep his commandments and his directives and his rules. And I think that's, that's a blessing, but the Bible's more, and God's will is just much more than a book this thick with rules and laws and legislations. Or we see God's will as the best of times and worst of times My loved one's in the hospital, and they don't know if they're gonna pull through. But if they pull through, then it's God's will that they're healed, and sometimes it's miraculous at best times. Or maybe it was just a simple diagnosis, and they died suddenly, it's the worst of times. Or maybe the roads were icy, and my loved one wasn't able to come home, but that was God's will that they die, so it's the worst of times. Or God's will was that they made it through this real difficult situation, and they served in the armed forces, and they made it home alive. That's sometimes how we see God's will. Maybe it's going to work out. Maybe it's not going to work out for us. And so all of us, weekly, in this house of worship, or maybe you in your own home, we always pray that will be done. Well, let me take you there. Our Father who art in heaven, what? And sometimes we're taught, well, God's will sometimes work out for you. Sometimes it don't. Maybe she loves you. Maybe he doesn't. And maybe they're going to pull through surgery, and maybe they're not. And maybe the person in the hospital, and that's sometimes how we see God's will. I like what Martin Luther said, the will of God is effectual and cannot be hindered. What God wills is God always gets. God's will is effectual and cannot be hindered. And so the question that we have to ask ourselves today is, what exactly is God's will for my life? You might be saying, Wow because sometimes I don't know God's will for my life. What does God really expect from me? How is this all gonna work out? I don't know God's will. So let's go ahead and reveal God's will. And what St. Paul shares with us, and I'll read this to you, is St. Saint Paul, Saint Paul shares for each of us what God's will is for our life. I'll read this to you. I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace, given to me through the working of his power. Remember, Paul used to persecute Christians. His name was what? Saul, And God's will was that he received God's grace. So Paul always began his letters by the grace of God. You see, St. Paul, writing by the Spirit, said God's will for me is that I am saved, is that I receive God's grace. I liken it to this. The eternal will of God centers on God's blessings, choosing and adopting us by the richness of his grace in Christ in whom we have forgiveness of sins. Friends in Christ, do you want to know what God's will is for each and every one of us? That you come to faith and believe in Jesus Christ, and that you're saved, and that you're adopted, and you receive his blessings, and you're his child. That you're in a relationship with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I, I like that word, adopted. We all know what that means, right? God's good and gracious will is that we're adopted. Us sinners were adopted into his family. It reminds me of a story i heard a number of years ago about a father and his two sons that always went to nursing homes or to the homebound and visited them and brought them peace and comfort and the two sons came into a room and there was a resident there an elderly lady he says who are you and they said well i'm so and so i'm so and so are your brothers yeah and one son said we're both 11 and the lady said oh you're twins uh, no we're not twins but you're both 11. Oh, I get it. Like one of you was born this month and one of you was born 11 months ago. Uh, no, that's not it. I was born in June and he's born in 11. Uh, he was born in April and we're both 11. Um, she's somewhat confused. And you're both brothers? Yeah. You're both 11? Yeah. And when we were born in June and April? That doesn't make sense to me. How can that be? And one son finally figured it out. Well, she doesn't know how we can be brothers 11 years old, born two months apart from each other. And one brother said, well, I have to explain to you. One of us was adopted by dad and mom, and one of us is dad and mom's kid. But out of love for us, dad refuses to tell us which one he adopted. You see, God's will for us is by God's grace we're adopted into his family, received into his kingdom. That's God's will for each and every one of us. Can you all read this with me? My Father is that everyone, each one of us, sees the cross and are drawn to him and that we have a relationship with him, that we're saved. That's God's will for each of us. But what about God's will for everybody? What about God's will for all? Now, sometimes we see God's will as a mystery. The mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members of the one body, and shares together in the promise of Christ Jesus. Let me go ahead and explain So we begin epiphany. Do you know what epiphany means? To reveal, to enlighten, to make manifest, to make known. You see, the will of God for everyone is to reveal Jesus Christ and it's best shown in the coming of the wise men. Now, you can't see it here, but I can. So here's the nativity set. And there's Mary and Joseph and the shepherds. Notice I didn't say someone. And that's really Christmas 1.0. That's what we celebrate two weeks ago, baby Jesus coming, revealed to Mary, and Joseph, and the shepherds, and the Jews, but here's Christmas 2.0, and you can't see it, these right below me are the wise men, and they're Gentiles, they're not Jewish, but yet Christ's light shine on them and brought them into his kingdom, God's will for the world is that they come to faith in him, now I know most of you, some of you know better than others, no offense, But I'm pretty sure that the vast, vast majority of us are not Jewish, which means the vast, vast majority of us are what? We're Gentiles. You see, Christmas 2.0 is that Jesus came for Gentiles. He came for the world, evidenced in the wise men. You see, God's will for all is that we come to faith, including, no offense, us Gentiles. In some ways, we might be the wise men. No comments about who's wise here or not, okay? All right. And finally, what's God's will for the church? Well, God's will for the church is this. His intent was now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known according to his eternal purpose, which he accomplished through the Lord Jesus Christ. God's will for us His church is that we simply make this known. We simply make known to the world that God's good and gracious will is that we believe in him as our Lord and Savior. God's good and gracious will for our church is that we proclaim this. How do we do that? Well, by the mere fact that you're here this morning with snow outside gives evidence to the world that there's something special going on in here. The mere fact that we decorate like this is a testimony to it. The mere fact that there's a pastor and we have a school and we have a preschool and we have ministries that proclaim that message. God's will for the church is that we simply proclaim that Jesus is Lord and Savior of all. That's his will. It's often been said the church is not a museum of saints, but a what? Hospital for Sinners. Uh, do you catch what that means? Um, we're not a museum of holy people. Matter of fact, we're a church of messed up people and sinful people, and we have messed up lives. And sometimes our future is uncertain. Sometimes we might wonder about God's will. But the church really is a hospital for sinners. Somebody once said, Pastor, I refuse to go to church. It's full of hypocrites. And I say, Well, we always welcome one more. Okay. Your church is full with sinners. Well, no kidding, okay? Real bad sinners. No kidding, right? The church is a hospital for sinners. Well, I'm not bad, that bad of a sinner, Pastor. Okay, whatever you say. The church is a hospital for sinners. What's well, God's will for the church to proclaim the message of Jesus Christ? God's good and gracious will. You see... God doesn't act out of principles, laws, or its efforts. Some people say, well, God is love, or God is holy, and God is just, and all those are true. But God acts out of his divine will. And what's that will? To be good and gracious and kind to each one of us, to the world, and through his church, we proclaim the saving message of Jesus Christ. God acts out of his divine will, which is good and gracious. The mystery of his will, he chooses and promises to be gracious and a loving father, to be merciful and bring an end to the power of the law. That's his good and gracious will. And Omar Luther, let me go back to that, in um, the Catechism, in the explanation of his second article, he says that I might be his own. Notice you catch that? That I might be his own, that I might be adopted, that he forgets if I'm his real son or not. I might be his own, I'm forgiven and redeemed. That's God's good and gracious will for every one of us. Then it might be his own, that's the language there. And so I'd like to do this one more time. I'm gonna go back to the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy what? So what is God's will? If you read in the Catechism, God's will is that all people come to faith. God's will is that the church grows. I'm talking about believers. God's will is that everyone comes into his kingdom of grace, forgiven, and one day a kingdom of glory, which is heaven. Thy will be done. Heavenly Father, grow your church. other people come into your graciousness. So how about this for a closing thought? Can you all read it with me? But God had seen my wretched state before the world's foundation, and mindful of his mercies great. He planned for my salvation. He turned to me a father's heart He did not choose the easy part, but gave his dearest treasure. And all God's people say,